Here's everything you might have missed in The Last of Us, Episode 4. Welcome back to Nerdist News! I'm Kyle Anderson, and today we're continuing our breakdown and Easter egg hunt of the HBO series The Last of Us with Episode 4 titled Please Hold to My Hand, which is a lyric from a song in this episode. Now, Episode 4 introduces some new characters and a new plotline that is separate from the game of the same name that the series is based on. And if you haven't seen the fourth episode yet, we're going to be getting into some heavy spoilers, as well as pointing out any Easter eggs and references we found throughout. So if you want to take a moment to catch up before watching this video, make sure to run. Now, run! Let's get into it, shall we? So after last week's devastating third episode that went into great detail about Bill and Frank's post-apocalyptic love life, we rejoined Joel and Ellie on the open road, heading to Wyoming to find Joel's brother Tommy. At a gas station, we see that Ellie's got a gun! If you remember, she picked it up last episode, and she's doing her best Travis Bickle impersonation. You clicking at me? You clicking at me? There's no one else here on Earth, so you must be clicking at me. Was that good? <laughs> Outside, Joel siphons gas, a process that has to be done often since gas breaks down over time, even if he doesn't quite understand how it works. It's when liquid travels against gravity. You don't know. I know it works. <laughs> But the bill of the game also tells Joel to siphon some gas. However, based on Joel's history that we learned this episode, we're pretty sure that's a skill he already had. And the most important element of the video game version of The Last of Us finally appears in the show. Ellie's terrible pun book. It doesn't matter how much you push the envelope, it'll still be stationary. And if you're looking to get this book from a post-apocalyptic library, look up No Pun Intended Volume 2 by Will Livingston. That's two spelt T-O-O. Jesus. In the game, this book is given to Ellie by a friend, and we don't want to get too deep into future spoilers because we're expecting to see this happen in a future episode. Back on the road, Ellie finds some classic Hank Williams, Alone and Forsaken, which is where the episode title is pulled from and is also a reference to the same thing happening in the game. Plus, we get another reference to the game that fans were hoping for after last week's episode with Bill. Ellie finds a Randy magazine. How do you even walk around with that thing? Please get rid of it. The duo pass an Arby's sign with a heart above it, which we like to think is an homage to Bill and Frank in the previous episode. And this is not an Arby's. They drive past some trucks, tanks, and trains. Oh my. We get a quiet moment in the isolated woods where they munch on some Chef Boyardee. Fun fact, Chef Boyardee's first name is Hector. It's true. Look it up. Joel then explains that it's not infected he's worried about, it's people. People that will do worse than kill them. Ellie gets genuinely scared, and Joel does his best to comfort her, which isn't that great, but he's trying. Then, in a wonderful moment that shows us what kind of man Joel is, we see him standing guard over a sleeping Ellie during the night. This guy doesn't get much sleep, and he's driving. That's bad. In the morning, Ellie learns that she hates coffee. You don't like coffee? Too bad she couldn't have some biscuits for breakfast. Yeah, I want some biscuits. Joel loving and missing coffee is brought up several times in the game. Joel and Ellie get back on the road on their way to Wyoming. Joel actually opens up to tell Ellie about his brother Tommy. We learn that Tommy's last known location was near Cody, Wyoming. So that's where they're heading. Tommy was a joiner, which explains how he joined up with the Fireflies. And further back than that, Joel explains that he and Tommy joined a group heading up to Boston, and that's where they met Tess. Well, for what it was, it worked. But while Tommy may have quit the Fireflies, he still should have some connections to help Ellie. So that brings us up to speed. Ellie falls asleep in the truck, just like in the game, and when she awakens, they're approaching Kansas City. In Kansas City, they're stopped by a Sarah Lee truck and have to cut through the city, something Joel really wanted to try to avoid. Carbs continue to be the enemy in this world. Y'all want some biscuits? Kansas City is a departure from the game where the next stop after Bill's place was Pittsburgh. 
And while the Pittsburgh portion of the game does share a lot of similarities to this episode, showrunner Craig Mazin said the decision to change it was based on travel logic along with choosing a city that could look like their filming location in Canada. Calgary, to be exact. They get lost in the city and pass by a theater that, at the time of the outbreak, was playing both Underworld and Matchstick Men. Maybe this is a reference to Pedro Pascal's co-star in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Nicolas Cage. But when they come across an injured person, the old help I'm hurt trick doesn't work on Joel because he knows they're bandits. That's bait. Joel shoots two of them and almost kills a third, but he's overtaken and Ellie has to use her secret gun to shoot the poor kid. Brian is the kid's name, and he has a mom, and it's not often we see an exchange where the villains are humanized like that in a post-apocalyptic story. Craig Mazin describes this storytelling approach on the official Last of Us podcast by saying, violence isn't clean, and the people you hurt are as human as you are. A similar altercation takes place in the hotel in Pittsburgh in the game, and the show already paid homage to the hotel in episode two. We next meet Kathleen, played by Melanie Linsky, a brand new character created for the show. She's interrogating a doctor because she's looking for the people who sold her brother out to be killed by Fedra. She can tell that the doc knows where one of the people on her list is, Henry. But the doc doesn't think she'll actually hurt him. He's the person who delivered her. Then when Kathleen sees the dead Brian and learns that even a doctor can't save one of Joel's other victims, she shoots the doc dead because she's hardcore. She orders a manhunt for Henry, whipping the crowd up by telling them that Henry must have called in mercenaries to destroy their way of life. This group is a rebel group who seems to have overthrown the oppressive Fedra in the Kansas City quarantine zone in order to establish a new society. But like Craig Mazin points out on the Behind the Episode featurette, history shows time and time again instances of a successful rebellion being as oppressive as the society they rose up against. The rebels head out to try to find Joel and Ellie by doing their best Mad Max impression using repurposed Fedra equipment. The run truck chases Joel in the game as well. Joel and Ellie hide out in the high-low bar where Joel tries to comfort Ellie about the kid she shot. We then learn it wasn't the first time Ellie hurt someone before Joel gives her a gun safety lesson. Joel tells her to put the gun in her pack, but she hides it in her jacket. The next new character we meet is Perry, played by Jeffrey Pierce, the actor who played Tommy in the video game. He's playing a very different character now as Kathleen's right-hand man. He's found Henry's hiding place, and it's clear that Henry is on the run with a kid named Sam. This doesn't give Kathleen pause. She knows that they're starving and are close to being caught. But Perry's got something worse to show Kathleen, a huge crater or sinkhole below a building. <laughs> it's pulsating and growing, evidence that infected have almost burrowed their way into the city. It could also be the big boy infected we saw in the trailer for the season. They seem to recognize the importance of this, meaning maybe it's how the Kansas City QZ fell. Kathleen orders him to conceal this revelation until they deal with this Joel problem first. This further paints Kathleen as a sort of Captain Ahab-type character whose obsession with finding Henry will get everyone into a lot of trouble. Joel boosts Ellie into an office building so they can get their bearings from high ground. Boosting her through a grate feels on-brand for the game itself. They climb 33 flights of stairs out of 45, which is pretty impressive for a 56-year-old man. It would be impressive for a 38-year-old man. That's hard. He looks great for his age. I look terrible. On the way up, Joel and Ellie learn more about each other, like the Joel has been on both sides of an ambush. Ellie asks if Joel killed innocent people, and Joel does not answer. Teens are smart. Ellie knows what a question dodge means. Before tucking in for the night, Joel home alones the hallway so that Joel can hear the crunch, crunch, crunch of glass if someone approaches. One last thing we see is that Joel fell asleep on his right side but woke up on his left side exposing his right ear, the one that he has trouble hearing out of. He says this is due to all the shooting he's done in his life. 
Joel's failing hearing is brought up a couple of times in this episode, and unfortunately, it puts them in danger now. They wake up to find two strangers who we can determine are Henry and Sam holding them at gunpoint. Over the credits, we get a slowed down cover of New Order's classic song, True Faith, and as it's an 80s song, it means our duo is in trouble. With the inclusion of the new Kansas City plotline in the series, we can expect there are some differences between meeting Henry and Sam in the game and what will happen in the show. We can't wait to see how it all shakes out next week. And now we gotta wait for the next episode, but good news, thanks to the big game, TM, happening on Sunday, we only have to wait until Friday to see episode five. That's right, the next episode is coming out two days early. Set a reminder now. Your watch is broken. But in the meantime, what do you folks think? What was your favorite moment from the fourth episode? And I have a serious question for you. Why did the Scarecrow get an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> That's a good one. Let us know in the comments below. Thanks for watching, and for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.